Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Brianna Murray of Palos Hill, Illinois. Brianna will receive a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Simone Paget, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspire their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 12, Episode 19, Bombshell. Ever since we came to be in our mother's womb, we've been together. We always will be. It's still incest. Twincest. Twincest. <laughs> Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. You didn't mention I was your real life wife at all, uh, or maybe your twin sister. You didn't mention either one of those things. Hey, it's got, got to leave a little surprise for <laughs> for the last reel. Uh, rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Skinny Dip blog and the Toronto Sun Sex and Relationship columnists, Simone Paget. Hello, Simone. Hello. Simone, is SVU a good primer on how not to be romantic? (laughs) Yeah, it's basically a step-by-step guide of everything not to do. (laughs) I don't know why I was surprised that you said you were an SVU fan based on all your professional interests. But uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into the show. Well, Law & Order's had an interesting relationship to my life. I remember seeing a lot of the original recipes in college because I lived with a guy who was a stoner and he studied for the MCAT exam while watching back-to-back episodes of Law and Order. So it would always just be on like when I walk through the room. So I have this very, I've never watched like a full season back-to-back, but it's just always kind of in the background. Can we just like mention for a second, that guy's probably a doctor somewhere now. <laughs> or a judge. Yeah. <laughs> I fear that one day I'll give birth to a child and his head will like <laughs> pop up between my legs. Yeah. For some reason, like more in recent years, the SVU episodes just keep popping up more and they put it for a while. It was on Canadian Netflix. So I kind of binged a whole season and then I ended up binging by accident, like a huge chunk of a season after going on a bad date and having my date pass out for 12 hours oh. and wait, there was what? a marathon on TV. <laughs> Do you really want to know? Wait. Do well, you? Okay, no. I don't, we don't have to get to the, the whole <laughs> lusty stuff, but what he, he passed out and you were trapped for half a day? He, yes, there was a rainstorm in Seattle. I flew down or took the boat down there to see him. I don't know 
what happened. I maybe like a Xanax and some sparkling wine, but like he was <laughs> after some activities, he was out like cold and well, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And put it him was down um, for half a day. <laughs> didn't kill him, but, but, but he incapacitated him. I was like anger watching SVU. I was like, fuck this. Like I'm going to put on the show. And, <laughs> and then like eight hours later or whatever, I'm still watching um, Benson and Stabler. So yeah, that sort of that's what happened there. If you like, well, the burner, he's lucky if there's there's not any uh, penis cutting off episodes. It would have been better if like he hadn't passed out like on top of one of her legs and she was able to actually get out of there. <laughs> Try to, <try> to nod <laughs> off. <laughs> so Simone, what dating advice would you give Olivia Benson? <laughs> oh my god, um, I don't know because this show makes me never want to date. Um, <laughs> Or get married or anything or have children. So I can't imagine what it's like actually doing her job. Or or go on the internet or anything. But yeah, I would just say be yourself. And like the right person will um, appreciate her sort of badass self, I guess. And it's not Harry Connick Jr., but whatever. Of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. Well, considering I have the most... SVU experience, I'd say Benson and Stabler. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I will always um, be a fan of Jesse L. Martin just mm. because I've loved him since like Ali McBeal, and he's right. just gorgeous, gorgeous, and talented, <laughs> and just a perfect human being. So, and who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite Law and Order District Attorney Prosecutorial Team. Okay, so I don't know if they're actually a team, but I do like Cabot. Mm-hmm. And McCoy, hmm. um, just because he, I remember his face a lot from those days of walking in and out of the living room <laughs> and seeing him on the TV. Fifty percent of the time, um, it was him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I like Cabot. She's also a badass, and I like to imagine them being in the same office together because he was like, would have been the DA when she was a prosecutor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they would, they would have been in the same building. That's Ma- right. Maybe like in the same cafeteria, they would pass each other, <laughs> and he'd be having like a little salad, and she'd be like. Having like celery sticks with cream cheese and I don't think yeah, I think you have that backwards. Oh, do I? Be real, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU season twelve, episode nineteen, bombshell. Some douchebag parks his car right in the middle of the garage. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) When here comes Angela's dad with a knife stuck in his groin. In a series of medical mishaps that can only happen on SVU, the stabbing victim gets knocked out for days, and the detectives are just going to have to guess what happened to him. Hmm. Well, patrol tried backtracking the bloody footprints, but they crisscrossed all over the place. It was like Bullard wandered aimlessly after he was attacked. Any idea where he got drunk? Well, the wife said he left the house sober as a judge, and we couldn't find a single bar in the area that said that they served him. So we got no crime scene and our victim is still in a coma. We got nothing. The victim is CEO Jerry Bullard. His wife says their sex life is as vanilla as it comes. What a compliment. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Well, when you hear it's vanilla, you know it's total bullshit. (laughs) Their first suspect is the neighborhood weirdo who wanders the street all night. He says all he wants to do is sleep. But all it takes is for Wong to literally look in his eyes to know he has an extremely rare fatal insomnia condition. (laughs) A puddle of blood, 
leads them to a sex club where Elliot and Olivia go undercover as swinging spouses. Squee! <laughs> While the creepy couple is all over Liv, vixen Cassandra DeVita leads Elliot to the room of closed mouth kissing. <laughs> she is totally trying to eye fuck him, but she can't because her face has so much Botox it won't move. Oh. It seems her ex-boyfriend, Aquaman, <laughs> was jealous that Jerry was with Cassandra. When he barges into the club to confront her, the undercover cops arrest him. Elliot turns to find Cassandra, who has already disappeared. Okay, I think this is season 12. I think season 12 of SVU is the greatest season of anything everywhere since the history of television. Because <laughs> this is the season where John Stamos gets blown up with a knife. Yes. The dog ate the tampon. Yes. The adopted girl gets a forced nose job. Yes. The captain gets stabbed with a pickle. And yes. it's also Stabler's last season. Right. Even though we don't know that. But this is just... Twincest. I mean. <laughs> Listen, you're skipping ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so glad you chose this episode. <laughs> oh, really? You weren't offended? No, it's great. It's just like, it's a mess. It's wonderful. It has everything. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start like towards the beginning here where Finn gets a tip on the quote, the neighborhood weirdo. Oh, yes. Yes. So it's this guy who's stumbling through the neighborhood with this sleeping disease, um, so, Rebecca, give us your thoughts about poor Aldo, the deli slicer. Well, what's really funny about Finn uh, finding out about the neighborhood weirdo is that he doesn't just find out about the neighborhood weirdo. He finds out everything about <laughs> the neighborhood weirdo. Word is he started off a normal guy, Italian immigrant, wife, job at the butcher shop. A year ago, he cut off a couple of his fingertips on the slicer. Then he gets fired, his wife splits, and he starts walking the streets acting odd, scaring people. Around there, they call him the night stalker. He comes into the squad room. Off of his pager. After what was ostensibly a very short tip phone call, and he's like, This guy about a year ago got his fingers cut at his deli job, and then cut to Aldo, who's still wearing bandages on those <laughs> fingers. How is he still wearing bandages on the fingers that he cut a year ago that made him lose his deli job? And why is losing a deli job cause for such despondency? That's what I need to know. Oh, I don't know, but I certainly think. When you see him walking through the street like the Hulk, that <laughs> you can see why the neighborhood people thought, he's a weirdo. Well, yeah, and he's wearing a blood-stained shirt as well, so that just sends off warning bells right there. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's not from his fingers. Yeah, and he also gave him the nickname the Night Stalker. It's like, what is he stalking? He's literally just lumbering around, like that dude from Men in Black who was like wearing the skin of the other dude. Like, he's not stalking anybody. He's just walking around crying. It's a terrible criminal nickname. Well, they bring him in, and he tells Wong he hasn't slept a single second the past year. Right. Not even the micro sleeps, nothing. And then he sits down, and he closes his eyes. Yes. And then Wong gets in his face and wakes him up. <laughs> it's like, what a dick move. <laughs> Yeah, the other thing that's funny about these Wong scenes, you know how much I love B.D. Wong when he shows up as Dr. Wong in the mm -hmm. show, um, is that he seems to spend all of his time reading whatever uh, statistical diagnoses, manuals there are, because in this episode, like in every other episode where he diagnoses something super rare, he's like, it was just added to the manual. It's very rare. And I'm like, well, then how the hell do you know about it? You're like at this cop shop all the time. <laughs> It's not like you're a professor of psychiatry at Columbia. You're always here. I think it's what he's doing on the subway. When he's <laughs> reading like all the new literature. Yes. He's always referred to it as the literature. Yes, and I'm sure he's also terrible to date. 
Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> because he's probably quoting like rare diseases like through throughout like the appetizer course. That's right. Do you know there's a new kind of syphilis? <laughs> <laughs> of course, no medical professional can diagnose this rare disease, but Wong's like, well, let me have a look. Yeah. That's pretty much how it always goes, right? Yeah, and it really just like, hmm, looked into, no, you know, flashlight. No. No magnifying glass, and just looks like in the eyes. And that's whole weird thing where like he, he's like, uh, I'll get you, I'll get you treated. We'll, we'll admit you and see what's going on. I'm like, why? You don't think he committed the crime. Like, you should be like out of this situation. Like, do you have like a lab on the side or you just want to like yeah. study people with weird diseases? You can't just bring somebody to the hospital. It's not Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> I like how they look like they he looks at Wong and says, will you cure me? And then like they flash the two other detectives and they give this look of like, oh, girl, <laughs> walk away. No. It's like, oh, you're handling this one. Wong. You open your fat mouth. But they do bring Aldo back to the neighborhood where, you know, this all happened. And he points to a puddle of blood and says, it happened right here. Yes, and he's wearing now wearing a jacket, so he's wearing a bloody shirt. But I'm just saying, like, why do they have? Does he have to point out the puddle of blood to them? Why? Wouldn't they just? Oh, well, this puddle of blood it looks suspicious. Listen, why is it not dry too? <laughs> it looks like super wet. <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of days. But there is that weird thing again with his costuming, where he had blood all over his shirt, and then in that scene, he's wearing like a tan members-only jacket zipped up to the neck. That's also covered with blood. And it's like, did you visit two crime scenes in the last two days, Aldo? Because there's no way your shirt would be covered with blood and your jacket would be covered with blood. It was just super weird, his whole appearance on the show. Yeah, and then they he, he says like, oh, well, there's the, the nicely dressed people come from over there. <laughs> and they pan over to this door. It's like the swingers club. Pretty dramatic stuff. Yes, from over there. <laughs> So somebody cue Kermit the Frog. It's our very special guest star, Rose McGowan. Yay! Oh, I thought you were talking about Angela's dad, Tom Irwin. We'll get to Tom <laughs> Irwin. <laughs> Not everybody from our generation watched My So-Called Life. If they didn't, they should, because that show holds up. Yeah, but there was more than one season of Charmed, which is why... <laughs> Rose McGowan is uh, a pretty popular actress. She plays Cassandra DeVita. I never get jealous. Hey, what's the fun if you're not open to everyone and everything? Mm. Now, we're going to talk about her character, Cassandra, in just a minute. But Rose was in a bunch of things, including Charmed. She kind of had an image at the time of being a little bit of oddball, maybe off-center. But today, we have a more complete picture of her. Yep. She's a leading activist in the Me Too movement. Yep. Um, she says she was sexually assaulted by Harvey Weinstein. Yep. And she's a much more admired celebrity today, I think, than she was sort of taken at face value as a as a primetime yes. actress, right? So much so mm-hmm. that I feel real bad for making fun of her terrible performance and awful looks in this episode. Those things will not stop me from doing that, however. Yeah, no one gets a pass. <laughs> um, but let's, let's say this. Rose did have a reputation for liking cosmetic surgery a little too much. Now, the guy on the panel can't say anything further, but ladies, if you'd like to interject about that, (laughs) I won't stop you. Well, I remember her from, I think, the movie Jawbreaker, Mm -hmm. and then seeing her, I haven't seen her in anything in years, and then seeing this episode, I felt bad because my first reaction was like, what is wrong with her face? Like, why, if her lips look like they can't, like, move properly, and then her eyes, like, looked sleepy? I don't know. 
She sounds so like a I whole different person, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's something going on there. Yeah. And it's almost like the show bent over backwards to talk about how beautiful she was. Like every time there'd be an establishing shot of her, Olivia would be like, oh, she's so beautiful. And I'm like, you're just trying to convince us. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. No, she is a beautiful woman. Beautiful yeah. actress. Yes. Um, but I She's think, more beautiful now yes. than she was mm-hmm. in, when this episode came out. I think in the moment, <laughs> she might have had maybe a little too much right. injectable at the That's time right. because and, you it's, know, hard to, it's hard to emote. It is. When, it is. You, you know, because a lot obviously a lot of this is in the face, and if you can't really move your face. Right. And we should say again, there's probably a good reason why she had all that plastic surgery. I know she was really suffering during this period in time. Yeah. I know that she'd really been blocked out by a lot of Hollywood in this period of time. And that's all kind of come out in the Me Too movement. So I think we can give her a pass in real life on the plastic surgery. Yeah. But in the show, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Well, we do have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Uh, so the actor playing Jerry. Oh, Tom Irwin. <laughs> yeah, he's Angela's dad from My So-Called Life. Yeah. And I fell in love with someone else. What about mom? I never wanted to hurt her or you. Who is she? Her name is Cassandra. I never expected it to happen. It's just when I when I first met her, I, I, I just I felt I felt alive again. Yes. So uh, apparently, uh, Tom Irwin's characters have the habit of falling for the wrong women. Mm, yeah. First, Hallie <laughs> Lowenthal, and then Rose McGowan in this episode. <laughs> Simone, you were also a fan of uh, My So-Called Life, right? I was. Yeah, it came out right around the t- same time I was Angela's age, so I just was sucked right into it. But. When I, Did you have the weird red hair shade too? <laughs> no, because my mom wouldn't let me dye my hair. Oh. Neither would Angela's, but she did it anyway. Oh, your so-called life. I can't believe it. I did have a potentially toxic friend, though, like Rayanne. So, ah. yeah, I really related to that part. Yeah, well, your mom wouldn't let you uh, uh, do a wild thing like uh, dye your hair, but now you're a sex blogger. <laughs> Yes. And relationship columnist <laughs> traveling the world, <laughs> talking about all the naughty bits. Uh, well, we do also have a hey, another hey, it's that guy, the actor who played Doug. Anyone recognize him? No, but I loved him. I loved Doug in this whole episode. Wall to wall, Doug. I could have had way more Doug. Who was that? Who was the dude? Uh, that's the actor Ryan Hurst. I don't blame you, letting her under your skin. It's a fine piece of ass, but then you know you played the big hero. She didn't even stick around for a kiss goodbye. He is known from his role in Sons of Anarchy. Hmm. So he's like in a biker show. Yeah. So he Fits. didn't really need a drastic makeover to play this character, huh? <laughs> <laughs> he just rolled off of one set and <laughs> literally rolled into the next. Okay, so we left off with Benson and Stabler going undercover at the swing set. Yes. I can we just talk for a second? I know you hate it when I do this. She's wearing like this like leopard print, like total cougar dress. And all I can wonder is, does Mariska as Livia Benson, does Livia Benson have in her closet like a little section of like I'm gonna hoe down undercover tonight clothes? <laughs> in the back. <laughs> I feel like she does because that dress fit really well, if I remember yes, it correctly. Did. Like it, it wasn't was just like I picked this up at like on eBay, like, or Amazon <laughs> primed it yesterday. Like, it was like a fitted, nice dress. It fit her beautifully. Yeah, it has the little pocket for the the wired microphone in case she's, <laughs> like, a deep undercover. Why did that ugly-ass man, who was with that beautiful woman, by the way, they didn't fit, yeah. why did he think he had even, like, a tiny bit of a chance with Olivia when she was undercover in that club? Um, so we would laugh. <laughs> 
Relax, Olivia. You're safe with us. Probably. <laughs> he has nothing to lose. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I can see why the wife is like, yeah, go ahead, swing for that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going to go swing for, you know, something, something else. So forget that there's like actually no evidence that Jerry's ever been in this club. Yeah. They just decide, okay, we're going to hoe down and go in and have club sodas together. So that Jerry sent us. So that Jerry sent us and see what happened. Um, Nothing suspicious there. This is really more for the fans, right? I mean, this is just so that the fans can have a squee moment where the two of them are pretending to be husband and wife. Yeah, and going to a place where they probably will have sex in public with each other. That's a hundred percent what it's about. It's not, and it's not suspicious at all when two people who are super fit and look like cops come in and order club sodas. Not suspicious at <laughs> all. I was going to say um, one thing I found really authentic about the club and like the website um, was, from my experience, these places always have like a list of things they offer. And yeah. when Stabler's like sexuality workshops, full bar, and a nightly buffet. Remind me to steer clear of the finger foods. I'm not going to touch the finger food. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's like, to me, seemed the most realistic because from my experience, they always have like things like a list of things either on like the nightly activity board, like themed playrooms, tantric workshops, and then like water polo. Like one thing (laughs) (laughs) doesn't match at all. And you're like, or is like strangely wholesome. And you're like, that's, that is weird. Finger painting. Bingo. Bingo. (laughs) You can still make those dirty, though. Baked ziti. Yeah. (laughs) Can we talk about the room of dry humping? Oh, my God. So gross. Uh, Okay, so Simone, like you said, you have visited several swingers resorts for professional reasons. Is that what they look like? Um, (laughs) That room? Yes, the rooms actually do look like that. Um, Really? Yeah. Variations, like anything from that to just... Like the resort I went to in Jamaica, which was basically just this hut at the back of the resort, and you had to kick open the door because it was jammed, and then it was just, you walk in, and it's just like a a room full of mattresses and a whole bunch of undulating bodies. Hashtag things I'll never unsee. Um, (laughs) But what I didn't find totally realistic is, from from my experience at least, is uh, the people actually in it. Those actually yeah. look like people you might actually want to see naked. <laughs> <laughs> you never get that lucky in real life. Yeah, it's it's more like the my friend who's a fellow journalist came up with the term that the dick you see is not the dick you want to see, which is pretty much like. <laughs> I liked how it looked like all of the um, it looked like they were like filming in a real champagne room at a strip club or something with all those mm-hmm. like banquet you know seating mm-hmm. situations. Yeah, I did like how they were all covered with like terry cloth like slip covers very <laughs> convenient and very very i think like nice a nice detail for the swinging guests i think there's a lot of upholstery that would be uncomfortable <laughs> yeah not a high you know i mean some leather like if you're trying to like move around a little bit uh, it sticks uh, yeah <laughs> my advice if you ever go to one of those places is like bring a scarf or a hand towel and put it down on any surface before you like mm. touch it or make any contact oh right you can wear it as a scarf good advice because you don't have any pockets and then you (laughs) oh okay is cassandra both sexy and dangerous like a good femme fatale should be is she both uh she comes off as a little bit dumb like this is the the issue with the character right Mm -hmm. like you think that when you're gonna have this seductress and you know like the minute she comes on the screen that we're gonna get the inevitable scene where Stabler's questioning her and she tries to come on to him like happens in every episode where there's a woman villain Mm -hmm. you kind of expect there to be something substantive there for her to say something pithy or even like a good pun 
She's not really any of that. Like she's just standing around, sort of like looking at him with her mouth slightly open. I think because she can't actually. I think it's all, close all it. she can get it open. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she doesn't really come across as either one of those things, except for the fact that they keep telling us that she is those things. I didn't really pick up on that just because I was spending the whole time just watching her face and how <laughs> it just seemed so frozen. But yeah, I don't think they gave her the best dialogue to work with. They could have. I was sort of hoping they'd channel like a bit of like breathless Mahoney from Dick Tracy and mm-hmm. put in a few kind of, you know, business is my pleasure, like femme fatale lines. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that didn't pan out. So I was a little disappointed. And like the Russian hookers from the previous, uh, these are their stories. And she's like, oh, Detective Benson, should I just give you my panties now or must we talk? <laughs> yeah. So Simone, like how does a guy get his wife to go to a swingers club? And I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know because I've never tried to convince anyone to go with me. Um, You don't have to convince a guy. No, I think like it has to come from the woman. Um, I think it's not good to go into these situations if you feel like you're doing it to make your partner happy or you're doing it to like, quote unquote, save the relationship because Mm -hmm. it definitely... Um, unless both people are into it, it's just going to make things worse. Like if there's any, Mm. this is what I've heard at least from couples I've spoken to um, at these kinds of properties is that, you know, you have to be very solid um, or else anything, you know, that's wrong is just going to sort of rise to the surface. So I hope when you talk to them, they were taking a break. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Swingers are very, very social. So, Uh Probably because they want to sleep with you, but. Um, <laughs> oh, he's got an angle. It's very easy as a journalist to get them to open up. Um, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes these undercover, like, narcotics officers, officers mm-hmm. when they're undercover, they, like, end up having to do a drug to maintain their cover. Do you yes. think Benson or Stabler, one of them might have to catch a D just to. <laughs> no. No, I, I didn't mean... have to be. Benson. You know, I think Benson been... was just like, they were throwing up every like super obvious roadblock you could possibly imagine. We're just here to look. We're just here to look at the menu. We're just here to explore. We're just here to see what we can see. We're just here to I spy with my little eye. Like those people <laughs> were not getting anything from Olivia Benson. I do hope if she does have to catch a D, it won't be with the creepy, like small curly haired guy. Um, <laughs> because when I heard that Jerry's wife, I think it was line was something like, hopped on him like an animal i was like oh mm. jesus <laughs> <laughs> have you heard sling tv offers the news you love for less hey wait you look and sound just like me i am you i'm the same news programs on sling tv for less you mean you're me but for less money a lot less i'm all the favorite news programs and more on sling tv starting at just 40 dollars a month Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's look at the second half of this episode. Boyfriend Doug's under arrest, but they don't really have anything on him. That's when Jerry finally wakes up. (laughs) He tells the detectives it was his jealous wife who stabbed him in the crotch. You think men are the only one who wants something different? Men are the only one who get tired of the same old Sunday morning sex, same old position. 
So are you saying that the swing set was your idea? I told you, Jerry is Mr. Vanilla. And you didn't care about Kassan? I only cared about him screwing us. The wife says she knifed Jerry in the nads, not because she was jealous, but because he was giving all of their money to Cassandra. Worried that Doug will go attack Cassandra, SVU follows him to her apartment where they greet each other with more closed-mouth kissing. (laughs) These guys are con artists, and they're wanted in connection with a swingers club murder in Miami. They bring them in for questioning where Cassandra gets up on a table and shows Elliot her world. Mm. At arraignment, Jerry bails her out, but hold the phone. Here comes the DNA sample from Miami. (laughs) You're not going to believe this. (laughs) Cassandra and Doug are twin brother and sister. Uh, Confronted with the fact, little sis explains their deep connection started while speed dating in the womb. And when it comes to twincest, Jerry says he's down to clown. Mm. Suspecting something is amiss, (laughs) Benson and Stabler go to Jerry's apartment where he's killed Doug. So he and Cassandra can finally be together. Mm. She throws herself on her dead brother lover and attempts to cry, but her face is too frozen for anything to happen. (laughs) So what turns a good SVU episode into a legendary episode? It's a completely fucked up twist. It will make you forget everything else that happened in the episode. And there was so much else that happened that would be so worthy of discussion. Can I just, we just mentioned a couple of those tiny details. Let, yeah, yeah, let's do that first. One of the funniest things that happens in this episode is when Finn comes out with the sketch of Doug that the guy they're supposed to look for at the club, the mm-hmm. ex-boyfriend who's mm-hmm. going to show up. Describe it for our listeners. It literally looks like a photograph of him that's been put through one of those like <laughs> iPhone re-sketch <laughs> things. It's like the most accurate sketch you've ever seen. Uh, it's hilarious. And then, you know, they go there and then he barges in. Uh, I just, I love the whole Doug storyline. I love the fact that he won't like drink the water in the interrogation room. He's like, I know you're trying to get a DNA sample from me, Trick. Doug is a genius. Doug is the smartest person in this episode. It really should have just had way more Doug. Yeah, meantime, his DNA is all over that apartment and his sister's back. <laughs> um, so Jerry wakes up. Of course, you know, it's stupid. It's like he was stabbed, but of course he's in a coma now because they took the knife out and they put the knife back in and he fell down and banged his head. And it's all just convenient because they don't want, they, you know, if he just got right, right up and said, my wife stabbed me, we would never have any of this swing set fun that wife was a cool customer though in that lie initially even though she did seem a little bit too willing to talk about her sex life in front of her daughter in a way that like was a little bit creepy well i'm just gonna say when you think about it she's (laughs) she was open to stuff she was really dialing it back from what was actually happening so (laughs) so jerry ends up just saying hey kid sorry but you're getting a sexy stepmom I mean, it was just kind of like that, right? That I found weird. Yeah. That hit a little too close to home for you, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least I wasn't in a hospital bed when I broke the news. No, it's true. That my... was a very strange way to tell your daughter, I've fallen in love with someone else and I'm leaving your mother. When you're lying there uh, with your balls on a pike or whatever it is that she did to him. Yeah. Now, Simone, I, mm-hmm. I, I know that like you're giving advice on relationships and I don't know if that always includes like parent to child but I would think if I were breaking the news that I'm leaving your mom I would try to couch that in the fact mom just tried to stab me in the nuts (laughs) yeah she's going to jail but 
My sin isn't all that bad in comparison. Mm. I actually have a replacement mom who won't stab me. Mm. Well, that's like that whole interaction made me think. I was like, oh, Jerry's really delusional. Like, this is not how you handle this situation. So, yeah, I'd probably advise against breaking the news that way or at least like prefacing it with mom has a knife. Mm. I did love the mom's like slow confession when she describes how it was that she like decided to go down to the club and look for him when he would lie about his going on going to that, that trip to DC. And at one point in the confession, like before she decides to go down there, she's like, I just sat in the house in the dark drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's a good detail. I really liked it. It's probably what I would do in that same situation. <laughs> I imagine her sitting there just like pounding back like hard lemonades or something, like just one after another. <laughs> they are pretty vanilla, aren't they? Mm. So they have like all these giant TV screens where they flick photos and digital documents like it's the fucking bat cave. Yes. And they're like, oh, the DNA results are coming on the fax machine. <laughs> it was like, where are you sending them from, 1996? I'm sending them from Florida. I mean, let's be fair. Yes. <laughs> it basically is 1996 there, is it not? It, I guess so. <laughs> like, why do they have a video screen of, like, the footsteps? Like, the red, bloody footsteps that's all, like, traced, but then they're getting faxes. That doesn't <gasps> add up. That's right. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. But and then we did have the obligatory line. They say we got to read it to believe it. <laughs> Oh, and then just like three episodes later, they have the exploding air knife, mm-hmm. and they show by blowing up a fish. Um, uh, they find out that uh, Jerry is not only into twin cess, but mm-hmm. now he has sprung Doug. Right. And Benson and Stabler have a bad feeling about it. They've got a real bad feeling about yeah. it. Yeah. So instead of calling a police officer within five miles of the apartment they're going to, <laughs> they just drive there themselves, mm-hmm. which is kind of like their thing. Yeah, like, we'll just handle this ourselves. We have this horrible feeling that this guy's being murdered at the hands of this crazy person. We're not going to call for backup. We're not going to see if there's a patrol unit in the area. We're just going to do what we were going to do anyway and go with Rose McGowan in her clothes that are not even in boxes as she's moving into her out of her house and just let her follow us. Just yeah. let her follow us to this potential crime scene and let her walk right in after we, like, kick down the door or whatever with guns in hand. Yeah, they were not good cops in this part of the episode for sure. But even Simone, like, they're going to, like, trail Doug to make sure he doesn't do anything wrong. It's like, these are the sex crime police. They're, why are they doing, like, all these other police duties all over Manhattan? It's not like yeah. there are no more cops. No, like, where are there, like, just patrol cops? Like, why is this squad so small that they have to do everything? <laughs> well, there are apparently hundreds of people working there because we always see them walking around in the background, but we never hear any of their voices. We no. don't know what they're working they're on. They're just doing that thing where they silently talk to one another and nod yeah. in the background of scenes. If they need help, Finn comes up with a telephone call That's and he right. talks about the you know gang iconography. That's right. you got to read it to believe it. <laughs> 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 they look nothing alike, by the way. They, did, they don't have the same age. See, this is the whole thing about them being twins that was so unbelievable, was they look like they have two different sets of parents completely. Uh-huh. I understand they're obviously fraternal twins, but like no resemblance. Uh-huh. And he looks like he's 28 and she looks like she's like 40. I mean, not even close to the same age. I like how dejected he looks when she gets the good lawyer and he's stuck with the crappy public defender. He looks so sad. But my client has no history of violence and has never been charged with a crime. Uh, Me neither. I've never even been fingerprinted. Sir, if you have something to say, you need to say it through counsel. 
but he's not saying anything. He's like, what about me? He's like, he's, he's like, let your let your attorney argue for you, but he's not saying it. <laughs> no, he isn't saying anything. All right, let's talk about the oh, Jesus Christ, the twin cess. Yes, um, as Elliot very happily coins it. What do you people want from me? Here you defend it? There's nothing to defend. What Doug and I do is totally consensual. Still incest. That word does not even begin to describe what we have. How about sick? Uh, how about depraved? So I don't know, like, uh, 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 I, I can't even, I, what do you even say about this? So is this just like the game plan for the writers all along? Is we'll just... We'll just get all the way to the the stabbing and the sex club just so that we can have a couple of their their brother and sister having sex. As we have learned on this show, Uh it is very common for people who are related to be sexually attracted to one another. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Every other season there's something. Yeah, I feel like this has happened before, but I know I haven't seen enough episodes to know that. (laughs) Okay. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. Happened this season <laughs> when they send in the clowns. Yep, yep. It happens all the time, and there's always some sort of conversation. Like it's more common than you'd imagine. Like yeah. <laughs> or Wong will have some. He's like, I read it in the literature. <laughs> it's new. It's new. This thing about getting it on with your twin brother. I was telling this woman I was out on a first date with last night about it. <laughs> she won't return my calls. I don't understand why Jerry's like not at all phased by this either. That That is disturbing too. Because <laughs> he loves her. He loves her so much that he doesn't even care that she has a different name. He doesn't care that she's actually a grifter. He doesn't care that she lied about Doug. I mean, really, how is this twin thing going to put him over the top at this point? <laughs> I, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's not disqualifying for him. No. That she's two-timing him with her brother. Right. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I don't know. For me, that would be a total deal breaker. But, I yeah. I mean, I know they're brother and sister, but I don't know what she sees in Doug. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today all right let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode oh, dear god it's time for <laughs> rip from the headlines you think you know who did you it you think you know who did it but you don't know who did it you don't know who did it rip from the headlines the writers for the show say that the inspiration for the character of cassandra was burlesque star dita von Teese. 
Born Heather René Sweet in 1972, Von Teese is a dancer and performer who began a career of both pin-up and fetish modelling. Von Teese's retro looks and bold lingerie costumes were reminiscent of Betty Page. She became famous in an arena that few had in half-century. Drawing on the techniques of dancers from the age of vaudeville, Von Teese's costumes consisted of pasties and flesh-coloured knickers. She's famous for her dance inside a giant martini glass. Von Teese married her longtime boyfriend, goth rock star Marilyn Manson, in 2004. It ended badly, with her fleeing the house one night with no belongings. She blamed Manson's partying and his desire for an open relationship with another woman as the reason for the relationship's end. Dita Von Teese is credited with reviving interest in modern burlesque. She continues to travel the world doing cabaret performances and selling her own line of retro-inspired lingerie. Now, didn't Rose McGowan also date Marilyn Manson in real life? Yes. That is messed up. So what do you think, Simone? <laughs> Are they throwing shade when they said this is the inspiration? Yeah, because Dita is fabulous and Rose is Miss Frozen Face in this episode. So, yeah, I'd say definitely. Yeah, see, I don't even really see, like, the um, the resemblance here between the real person and the character because... You know, Cassandra here, she's the swinger, but according to uh, Dita, she divorced Marilyn Manson because in part because she didn't want to be a swinger with him. She didn't want to have an open relationship. They just wanted like the mm-hmm. look of someone. I mean, yeah. it's definitely Marilyn Manson in his dating life like had a type. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rose McGowan and Dita Fontes are both very much in that type. He also dated Evan Rachel Wood mm-hmm. for a long time, who also for a while sort of adopted that like very pinup kind of uh. look. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a weird like conglomeration. I mean, if that was, in fact, their inspiration and then they hired Rose McGowan to play that part. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how the timeline works out between this episode and her relationship with Marilyn Manson and Dita Fontes. It's a very strange coincidence has uh has anyone been to a burlesque show i have oh, you have um, of course you have. that should not be surprising <laughs> at all um i've been Your to several fascinating <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun um yeah i've been to women burlesque shows and then i've been to um a boylesque show hmm. boylesque um, yeah um you do the fan dance and everything no it's a bunch of um I'm trying to remember the name of the group, but they're local and they are average size, like average body men mm-hmm. um, putting on comical striptease numbers. Ah, oh. Full Monty-esque, yeah. right? Full Monty-esque, yeah. Well, and are- actually, it's a lot of fun because it's hilarious and these guys are just doing their thing and having like just owning it. And it's pretty cool. Well, I find that, too, you know, a lot of local places have a burlesque troupe and it's always very sort of body positive mm-hmm. and sex yeah. positive and um yeah the dancing is uh i guess you know is, is sultry and suggestive it's not like going to a strip club where there's a whole lot of v everywhere you look um, yeah you don't but, have to bring a towel with you to cover surfaces if you want to sit down a scarf <laughs> or an ascot if you're a man yeah i should Re, like retract the scarf comment because like you'll probably want to burn that item after so <laughs> nothing you want to keep Dita Vontese is known as a tight lacer do you mm-hmm. know what that is Rebecca is that a corset wearer yes she can wear her corset 
cinched down to 22 inches. Do you know that I met the woman with the world's smallest corseted waist just a few months ago? The world record holder for that? No, before you tell me, (laughs) I know that Dita's um, record is 16 and a half inches. Yeah, this woman was like... She looked like a, a glass hourglass, or it was like she had like a 14-inch or something, like waistband. Wow. Yeah, it was really something. I ran her in a hotel bar. It was very strange. Was she cinched <laughs> like that? She was, yes, but not as far down as that. That's not. That was only for special occasions, her husband told me. Jeez, I, what is the appeal? <laughs> I wish I had somebody I could ask. Oh, I do. Simone, what the hell? <laughs> um, well, I think uh, science has proved that men are attracted to... Um, like biologically speaking, the hourglass figure because mm-hmm. it is connected with like fertility. So mm-hmm. like the large breasts, small waist, and then large hips is supposed to signal something on like a primal level about birthing and babies and stuff. Yeah, who who's the best to carry your baby? Exactly. Um, yes, yeah, so that's yeah. personally I find corsets really quite uncomfortable, and I wore one for Halloween a few years ago, and I almost passed out. And I was nowhere near 16 inches. It was like maybe 24, and I was still wildly uncomfortable. Oh my God, I can't. I couldn't. I, I, can't, I couldn't get that around my thigh. Yeah, but you would love it if I tried it, probably, because you are part of the patriarchy. <laughs> I don't, have you? It's part of the patriarchy. But have you ever grabbed a tube of toothpaste right in the middle, really hard? <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid, like, like your head would pop like a zit. Yeah, and it doesn't feel good. I mean, I've tried on corsets too because I know I used to work in bridal, mm-hmm. and, and like sometimes you'd like put on those things underneath certain dresses for like shows yeah. and stuff. It feels like sitting in a, in a seat in United Airlines is what it feels like. It feels like all your <laughs> organs have been smushed together into places they should not go. And for like for me anyway, like two days after I took it off, I'd be sore and feel like discombobulated in the middle. And like that snack I had four days ago is still maybe stuck in my gut. It's not good. It's not good. And I know that some people are really into it. And I'm not saying it's bad if they are, but it's certainly not for me. It's certainly, um, you know, a, a certain kind of fetishy. Yes. You know, I bet Jerry, it's a kink that people I bet Jerry like. Jerry would yeah. be super into it. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, like, besides corsets, can we just do something, like, more modern and just be, like, into Spanx instead? <laughs> oh, definitely. From your lips to God's ears, Kevin. <laughs> Although I made a pledge a few years ago that I refuse to own any clothes anymore that require me to wear Spanx. I'm, if it doesn't, if I have to wear, like, because they make me feel corseted as well. I'm just, it's not comfortable. <laughs> So what does that mean? You, you, there's certain hats you won't wear or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, just uh, no no overly tight body shaping. No Olivia Benson undercover dresses for gotcha. Simone. <laughs> oh, I'd wear that, but <laughs> it has to fit it has to fit without weird underwear. If I have to buy yeah. weird underwear to make it fit, it's it's not coming home. Well, that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest Simone Paget. Simone, where can our listeners follow you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Simone, uh, S-I-M-O-N-E underscore Paget, P-A-G-E-T. Uh, and that's the same on Instagram. And I write a column for the Toronto Sun called The Sex Files. And you can also find me on my personal blog, which is skinnydip.ca. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy, and I am a follower of Simone's, and I'll tell you, my stuff is not as interesting as hers. <laughs> <laughs> you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod, or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. 
our Instagram is not as interesting either. <laughs> our newsreader is Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media.